The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, Internet. Roto-World's Josh Norris here with another episode, off-season edition of the Roto-World Football Podcast. Oh, it's a fun time of year. And so we have another roundtable for you. First up is Lord Reeves himself, Roto-Reeves, Rich Rebar. What's up, guys? This is the first time I've podcasted since February. And, you know, I'm in my new digs here. I've got this little uh, office area set up now for the first time. So I'm, I'm excited to finally, you know... Speak as loud as I want and let the echo chamber um, just reign supreme. Yeah, we forgot to tell you that in your contract, after each podcast that you do, a like free frosty voucher comes in the mail. So enjoy that after this one. Um, Beautiful. That was a great joke. Pat, what's up, man? <laughs> Roto, Pat, how you doing? Not much. I'm, I'm doing well. I was trying to break down all of the day's uh, stunning NFL news. <laughs> Like Alteron Werner expects to sign with a team before training camp. Got it. Kendall Fuller is fully healthy. Wow. Uh, Demetrius Rainey claimed off waivers by the Jaguars. I mean, earth shaking, shaking things up in the NFL. Well, Pat, you did a great job selling this podcast. I'll, I'll tell you that because, <laughs> yes, we are discussing recent news and recent happenings of this, I guess, mid-June. It's mid-June. Off-season mid-June. portion of the NFL. I mean, what people are offered the next month, month and a half – until training camp and then nothing happens during this time other than arrests and terrible players getting cut and old guys wanting to sign like you just said 20 20 of the league is in ibiza right now or abitha maybe <laughs> how the spanish pronounce it uh, uh were you checking on their instagram is that how you know no i'm just that's what that's what the cool people do man got it, got it. Well, the jet setters of the world do they go to ibiza, uh, ibiza all right all right pat so we need to talk about one of those old people who actually might be good who did sign recently and that is Eric Decker signing with the Tennessee Titans. I mean, last podcast, we talked about like every other team that he could sign for. And Reeves, we didn't mention the Tennessee Titans because they have added so much to their receiver core already this offseason. And Corey Davis and my guy, Taewon Taylor, plus Rashard Matthews returning. Plus last year's training camp sensation, Tajay Sharp still on the roster. So my question <laughs> to you, Reeves, is this. Uh, where do you see Eric Decker fitting in this year? with the Titans. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, an intriguing signing. I guess he wanted to be closer, closer to home and where his family is. There's only a one year deal too. So, I mean, it could be one of those things that kind of bridges the gap. We don't know really how healthy Corey Davis's foot is, uh, but Decker's probably going to slide in immediately and take slot snaps away and probably has a chance to threaten, you know, Richard Matthews overtake Richard Matthews to lead the team in targets. It's not unreasonable. I mean, if you look at Decker's career, he's completely outkicked his coverage in ADP, every year in fantasy football except for last year to when he got injured so i mean i don't think that this year is probably going to be any different he's probably going to settle in say like the high end maybe like wide receiver 36 or so which is basically held over the last five years 
an ADP around the seven or eight turn, which is a great spot to squeeze in a guy like Eric Decker, who has been ultra efficient and not just through guys like Peyton Manning. And if you look at guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Geno Smith and Tim Tebow, Eric Decker thrived. He played well with all those guys. Uh, He's, He's a guy that's probably going to get paired now with one of the efficient quarterbacks in the league, Marcus Mariota. I know, Josh, you're a big fan yep. of the Mariota bot. So, I mean, uh, one of the most <laughs> efficient quarterbacks. I mean, you, you were pairing one of the most efficient receivers and the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. I mean, since Mariota's entered the league, only Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, and Aaron Rodgers have thrown a better touchdown rate than Marcus Mariota. Uh, per pass. So, I mean, you, you pair a guy like Decker with that, an ultra-efficient quarterback. He doesn't need to be a guy that pushes 120 targets in that scenario. He can catch, you know, 70 balls for, you know, 900 yards, maybe some more on there, and still get, you know, seven to nine touchdowns in that scenario and be, uh, you know, a solid wide receiver three. But, I mean, this is going to be some things that have to change in this offense. I mean, you look at last year, Tennessee ran three-plus wide receivers and only 61 0.7% of their pass plays. That was 31st mm-hmm. in the league. Wow. I mean, that will change naturally with personnel. I think another thing you can look at too is Mike Malarkey inherited uh, an early career rookie, you know, Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, you know, pass attempts, he started off the similar uh, threshold as Mariota. Matt Ryan threw 434 pass attempts his rookie year, then 451, then year three jumped to 571. I mean, that might be quite a jump for Mariota to get the five from like 500 to 571 in year three. Right. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've seen, you know, uh, Mike Malarkey go work along with the rookie quarterback and increase, you know, tempo and pass volume as it's gone out of his career. And maybe we have Mariota, you know, pushing, you know, 30 to 35 touchdowns this year, you know, on default of just the increase. Pat, I feel like I ask you this question every single time we do a podcast, but does this get your juices flowing at all? Plus, I mean, you have to consider that this is also a team that, I mean, it's still going to be a run first offense, most likely, unless something kind of drastically changes. I mean, Reeves laid out a lot of solid reasons for optimism, you know, with good uh, numerical backing. But uh, there's definitely a reason for pause. I mean, he is 30. He's coming off two major surgeries, right. uh, a lower body and an upper body. Um, 3.5 million guaranteed. It's pretty decent chunk change this time of the summer, but still maybe a little less than I think some people thought he uh, might get. And the fact that he got passed over by some of the more receiver needy teams in the league was kind of interesting. And I mean, he was ADP right now on my fantasy league's wide receiver 49. Obviously that's going to skyrocket. I don't know where I'd be comfortable with him. I think if it, you guys kind of mentioned wide receiver 36, I mean, I think that I'd be very comfortable with last year. Uh, like that kind of range last year, at the end of the year, like Brandon LaFell was the wide receiver 33 looking it up right now. I mean, was I think, really? uh, yeah, I'm confident Eric Decker could probably outproduce 2016 Brandon LaFell, but there's a it's a run first offense like you said. There's you know he had competition for red zone targets when he was scoring all his touchdowns in Denver. I uh, had competition in New York even when he had 12 touchdowns with Brandon Marshall two years ago. There's a pretty decent amount of red zone competition. I mean Delaney Walker kind of always in the six seven touchdown range. Uh, yeah. Rashard Matthews nine touchdowns last year. I mean Corey Davis. I'm assuming they didn't use the number five overall pick on him to uh, moth ball him inside the 20 yard line so the reasons for optimism be a post 30 year old receiver coming off two major injuries and a crowded offense that in theory it should maybe remain run first like rebar said maybe malarkey kind of open it up more this year but i'd say if his adp got any higher in like the wide receiver 36 range i actually might start viewing that as kind of an overpay if he got in like the wide receiver 28 32 range there i might kind of let someone else take the plunge Reeves, this this is a team, obviously, that added so much, like I mentioned. I mean, you add Corey mm-hmm. Davis, you add Taewon Taylor, 
if we're adding again with Eric Decker, who are we taking away from? Is it potentially Delaney Walker, who I'm still getting in rounds nine and ten in MFLs this early offseason? Yeah, I mean, you think of what Decker is good at, it would it would seem to point to, you know, a guy like Delaney Walker. And if you also look at last year, I mean, uh, DeMarco Murray occupied a big chunk of the passing game as well. Large, the largest RB1 target share a, a running backs had under Mike Malarkey. So, I mean, that could possibly get shaved down as well. But DeMarco Murray is a really good pass catcher. I mean, he's had 40 or more receptions last four years uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, he's going to be involved still, too. He said it's a lot of miles to feed. It's a good problem to have. I mean, it's one of those things. It like makes me want to buy Marcus. That's what it makes me want to yeah, do, right? It's, you know, you want to buy the, uh, you know, want to buy the syrup instead of the pancakes or however he says it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it just makes you want to buy Mary Mariota. Now, unfortunately, Mariota's everyone else is thinking the same thing. You exactly. know, hey, we, we can't find the inroad to which guy I want. You know, instead of getting froze out of the guy I'm going to draft and have him bust, then we're just going to take Mariota. So Mariota is going to probably push himself up into probably, I would imagine, like the top top, you know, six quarterbacks uh, in ADP by the time this is all settled. I mean, you look at what Mariota did last year. I mean, on that hot run, I mean. He threw multiple touchdowns, you know, in eight straight games, you know, a franchise record in just the second year, you know, during that real hot streak. You add, you give him now weapons where it's just not Rashard Matthews and, you know, DeMarco Murray coming out of the backfield. They're going to have Corey Davis and you add Eric Decker. I mean, it's only going to inflate, you know, the Mariota bots ADP, you know, even higher. I was going to add one final thought on Decker. Reeves has all the empirical evidence. I'll say anecdotally, just when guys get cut like this, you know, this age, this stage of the offseason, you know, it's, it's strange to get cut in June. And a lot of times mm. even when these guys get cut and when they appear to have something left in the tank, I mean, sometimes I'm convinced we know more than teams. You know, sometimes we're right about, you know, the fantasy community be right about a sleeper, like that someone we're on for years like teams will won't feature them enough. And then all of a sudden they'll break out kind of like the fantasy community knew all along, but sometimes, you know, clearly a lot of the times teams know more than us. And I mean, there's a reason, maybe it's just the jets are purely tanking, but I mean, he, there's a reason he got cut at this stage of the offseason. There's a reason he got a relatively modest contract. And I would just say a lot of times guys in this, this kind of situation, usually even if expectations are modest, which expectations for Eric Decker don't seem to be out of control right now by any stretch. Yeah. But it is guys like this. A lot of times kind of end up underperforming. So just, I would mm-hmm. say maybe tread lightly. I, yeah. And receivers that change teams in general tend to underperform yeah. the, yes. the first year. It, it, there's like, cause more often than not, there's a reason why they're available. Since you're the news guy, Pat, and you've been doing this for so long. Do you think a lot of that early word of mouth on Decker looks great in camp was more build up from the media of trying to, you know, push through some interest in a deal for him or just, you think there was some truth there? I don't know. I mean, if guys look at, anyone like Eric Decker usually will look good this time of year. So that's kind of my view on that. And just, uh, it'd be, it's more news when people like him don't look good. Uh, so overweight, yeah, something has changed, yeah. blah, 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 something yeah. like that. If you're like a guy with Eric Decker's pedigree, even if you're coming off major injury, usually you'll look good in uh shorts and t-shirts. So I wouldn't read too much into that. So let's go to a team who did add a lot again at the quarterback position, but, the question is, Pat, if it's any good. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns had Cody Kessler from last year. They added one of my favorite quarterbacks in this class into Sean Kaiser in round two. And then in a basketball trade, took on Brock Osweiler. Uh, again, we have to go to the news guy here because for some reason, there have been some glowing reports or positive reports, maybe not glowing, about Brock Osweiler's practices. But then it seems like just hours later, there have been reports that have contradicted that. Same thing with Cody Kessler. Same thing with Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, Pat, where do you think this quarterback situation stands? Because on paper, 
This is kind of an exciting offense that the Browns have now with a revamped offensive line, one of the most talented on paper in the league, and also a running game that started the season off well last year, plus adding Kenny Britt to Corey Coleman and David Njoku at the receiving core. Yeah, a lot of really intriguing names. I think the quarterback situation will probably shake out in the most obvious fashion where I think Cody Kessler will probably be the week one starter, but I think Deshaun Kaiser will probably make rookie starts. Uh, I'm going to reuse one of my old jokes, but I think that collateralized debt obligation Brock Osweiler will probably not be on the team uh, come week one. And I think, yeah, if you hear any positive practice sports about Brock Osweiler, it's probably because they're trying to maybe – get that conditional seventh round pick offer up to maybe like a sixth round conditional pick offer. I wouldn't really buy into it at all. And again, you know, he's a six foot seven, you know, Greek God of a frame. Hopefully he would look good in a padless practices too. Yeah. I think Cody Kessler will start, but Cody Kessler was so efficient, pretty accurate, very accurate last year, but uh, just couldn't stay healthy, which is always a major Obviously, it's a red flag when a guy keeps getting hurt. But a lot of times when young quarterbacks get hurt a lot uh, their first year, they kind of I feel like they kind of tend to stay that way. And Cody Kessler took a lot of unnecessary hits. They talked about that and like something he needs to try to avoid this year. But a lot of times, if that's in your, like your football playing character, you don't really change. And plus, you know, they used a second round pick in Deshaun Kaiser. I think right. that uh, I think Kaiser will see the field this year. I think definitely think he has the most upside from a um, fantasy perspective, or maybe Cody Kessler could be more of like kind of an even quarterback too, if he stays healthy and stays in the field for a while. But I think we'll see the quote unquote spiked weeks uh, much more from Deshaun Kaiser. So Kaiser is really the only one I, I've seen some really smart people kind of getting aboard the Kessler train, but Ooh. Deshaun Kaiser is still kind of the only one that moves the needle for me. Yeah. And as we discussed in the past, especially during draft season, like any, the, I think the Browns are doing it correctly in that they're investing in the offensive line when they have this much money. So any young quarterback they put behind them theoretically has a better chance to succeed. And instead of doing, you know, what the jets did last year and in investing a pick in a questionable uh, second round quarterback and then not playing him, <laughs> the Browns should probably do the opposite and see what they have. And then maybe go the Jimmy Clausen route of then, you know, taking a first round quarterback or top five or whatever the next year. Cause they know what they have in their second round quarterback. Rich, uh, do you own any shares of anyone on the Browns? Yeah. I mean, I was drafting uh, Isaiah Crowell early. Uh, he's getting, he's starting to creep up into an area where we're probably sucking a lot of the juice out of him. Yeah. I, I, I took him, I think end of the third round recently, early fourth round. And so that, I know that might be a bit rich, no pun intended for some other people. Yeah, no, I mean, I still I still kind of like him in that 3-4 turn area. I still feel like the gap between Isaiah Crowell and Jordan Howard is something that's completely exploitable when you talk about mm. the, the situations both have and the types of players both are. Um, I feel a lot more comfortable just waiting two rounds on a guy like Isaiah Crowell than taking a guy like Jordan Howard, even given what Howard did last year. I think there's a lot of what Howard did last year that's, that's not repeatable. Um, that could be a whole nother topic. But, I mean, I was drafting Crowell early on. I mean, you look at – I mean, he came out of the gate so hot last year. I mean, through four weeks last year, he was second in the league in rushing yardage, you know, fourth in yards from scrimmage, and then – the Browns just got him. I mean, he finished 20th in rushing attempts the rest of the season, 18th in rushing yards, 15th in yards from scrimmage. He scored just four touchdowns. I mean, but that offense really isn't – it's going to be a little better than a 1-15 offense was, but how much better is it still going to be? I mean, 
for him to push like an RB1 type rating, the Browns are going to have to be like a seven-win team or higher, and that's probably not in the cards. So we're getting close to pushing him out. I think it's also interesting that Crowell out-targeted Duke Johnson over the final eight weeks of the season, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, something to, to stick a pin as well. But I'm still, also still, I'm still drafting Kenny Britt. I mean, Kenny Britt, wherever he's at, I mean, he's just still floating down there. No one really wants him. Rounds nine, ever, rounds ten. Yeah, that's where I've been he's seeing just... Him. He's just hanging out, and I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, a glutton for punishment. You know, he wants to play with all these terrible teams and these terrible quarterbacks. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> he had his best season as a pro last year. I mean, career high in receptions, career high in yards. He had five touchdowns. This was playing with Case Keenum and Jared Goff. I mean, I mean, when you consider the offense he's attached to last year, I mean, even those like sixty-eight and a thousand uh, and two receiving yards. They look so much better in context. I mean, he had 30% of the Rams, you know, passing yards. That was fifth best in the league amongst wide receivers. He had 36% of their uh, receiving touchdowns. That was the fourth highest. I mean, a target to Kenny Britt last uh, year was worth nine yards uh, last season. A target to any other Rams player was only worth five and a half yards. I mean, it was number one in the league. So, I mean, you put him in an offense that's even a little moderately better. I think he's still a guy. I think he's going to outscore Corey Coleman for sure. Hmm. Again, even though people, I, I think Corey Coleman is the is the upside play people will take ahead of him. But I think Kenny Britt is going to be that, you know, reliable veteran receiver that, you know, definitely I think will thrive with a guy like Cody Kessler. I mean, Kaiser's more of a mixed bag. I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect from Kaiser. I'm not a... I don't really scout the, the rookie quarterbacks because they don't matter for fantasy. So I really don't put a lot into them. <laughs> I mean, it's a completely volatile position uh, to get pro- to nail prospects right, anyways. And yeah, well, you're basically fantasy. saying that more often people are wrong than they are right, which you're exactly yeah. right. And for fantasy, they're they're the least relevant position. So I just don't put a lot of time into prospecting uh, rookie quarterbacks as I do the other positions. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't really have like a solid take on Kaiser and what to really expect from him. But I mean, I think that Britt will be a guy that can play well with what Kessler showed last year. You know, that intermediate, you know, high completion percentage, a, a efficient type passer. I mean, that's what Kenny Britt was good at. All he did was run drag routes the entire season last <laughs> year. So I mean, <laughs> you know, drags and crossers in that offense. So, I mean, I think he can do the same. While Corey Coleman's still more of an up and down probably has some spike weeks that are higher than any one individual week Kenny Britt gives you, but Kenny Britt's probably going to be, I think, a lot in like wide receiver three for you a lot more weeks than not. Yeah, and all the Browns quarterbacks might be better than all the Rams quarterbacks. Uh, so, Pat, since you are the vet bur- blurber of this group, <laughs> uh, is this kind of just a case with all three of these quarterbacks that like people were into OTAs and then when minicamp happened, OTAs don't matter, and then when training camp happens – Minicamp news doesn't matter, and then when week one of the NFL season rolls around, training camp news doesn't matter anymore. I mean, in general, uh, that is unfortunately very much correct. Uh, especially, I mean, OTAs essentially, I mean, they just don't matter at all. I mean, that's not true at all. I mean, I I do like the trends, but especially like if a, a team has any reason to kind of like puff up a guy like Brock Osweiler, I'd be very suspicious of any Brock Osweiler trends. And to me, I, I pay attention to him. You know, the younger the player, basically, the more I pay attention to it. Hmm. I mean, again, if it's like a player like Jeremy Macklin or Eric Decker, even if they're coming off a bad year, I, you know, my general take is, yeah, if this guy's healthy, he will look good in this practice. Where again, they're not—they're literally not wearing pads. So the older the player is, the less stock up in it. The younger, though, it, it isn't interesting. Uh, when trends, or even if it's a new guy on a team, like a new Patriot, like Tom Brady really working his connection with Brandon Cooks, I'll place a little stock in that. But uh, yeah, I would say 
you probably laid it out perfectly where yeah, OTAs don't matter by minicamp, minicamp doesn't matter by training camp, so on and so forth. So, so Bill, going real quick, completely change the subject back yeah. to Rich's thoughts on the Browns. Um, I'm completely comfortable with Isaiah Corral at RB15. Uh, I, th- I thought it was surprising they didn't beef up that backfield more, but I mean, it's a great vote of confidence and a running back is only 24. Like both you guys said, a huge talent and uh, money infusion in their offensive line. The offensive line is going to have to be much better this year. And Hugh Jackson's kind of talked up a greater commitment to the running game and which just they're going to need with uh, their uh, unsure inept, not inept, unsure quarterback situation. So if Corral gets any higher, I might start balking a little bit, but I think he's completely reasonable at RB 15. And I wanted to come up with the reasons not to like Kenny Britt. But I mean, on my fantasy league, he's literally the wide receiver sixty. And like, why would you not do that? <laughs> I mean, he could, he could very, very. I think he'll probably be a top forty receiver fairly easily. So let me throw yeah, this I mean, one at you: Will Isaiah Crowell be 2017's version of Demarco Murray in 2016? No, I think they still have probably a little too many, probably too too many game flow uh, like hindrances. Like uh, even if the passing game is better, it's going to be inconsistent, and I think the defense will still be a major issue. So they're not going to be in as many uh, close kind of ball control games as the Titans were last year. So no, I would say. Well, they can still lose those close games. I don't. They could, but (laughs) the defense. I don't. I think they're still going to be losing a lot of of not close games. So I think game flow will still kind of. He's. I don't think he'll be as volatile as he was last year, but I'm still expecting a pretty decent amount of week to week volatility with Isaiah Crowell. So coming yeah, I mean, up last year, the last year, the Browns had 62 fourth quarter rushing attempts. Uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 91. That's an <laughs> wow. <insane stuff. laughs> wow. All right. Just had Krell, Krell had just 32 fourth quarter carries last year. There we go. That's okay. insane. Well, well, coming up, uh, each of us will share some of our favorite late round gems, but because we are fine employees of Comcast sports, specifically NBC sports, Here is a word from the people who sign our checks. I love the win at Daytona. Add another win to the Earnhardt column. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in his final race at Daytona. Coverage begins Saturday, July 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And if you want to read more on all the NASCAR coverage, Roto World has a NASCAR section that you can go check out. I'm sure they have fine personalities just like the driving car version of Rich Rebar and Roto Pat and Evan Silva and Ray Sumlin. (laughs) I've never met them, but I'm sure they're great people. Rich, I'm going to start with you. Who are some of your favorites in terms of, I guess, NFLs, or if you're doing season-long leagues, redraft leagues somehow right now? Some of the guys that you like the most that you end up having on your roster, I guess, rounds 13 or 14 or later. Yeah, I mean, like you guys, I've been playing NFL 10, so I mean, looking at the guys I've been frequently drafting, uh, there's three guys that uh, I just marked down here. Um, the first one is the Chargers defense. I mean, I somehow own a copious amount of the Chargers defense, but there's why? a reason why. I mean, uh, I mean, they're they're the defense 16 in ADP. They're the defense 10 last year. Uh, they outscored uh, Seattle and Houston last year by a wide margin, and those are two teams that are in the top four in defense selections. They go the Chargers go 40 picks after both of those defenses. Uh, they were tied for the league lead in interceptions. They're a secondary that limits the passing game. They're going to get 
Jason for at back. Uh, they bring in a, a defensive guy like Gus Bradley, bring him back to do, you know, the job that he's really good at. Uh, you've got two sack guys on the edges, you know, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa in their division with two pedestrian offenses in the Chiefs and Broncos. So, I mean, they, they kind of are uh, a defense I always almost graduate to uh, gravitate to always, always, you know, as my defense two or defense three in scenarios, just because they go, you know, after, you know, the middle of the pack there. <laughs> I've also been uh, drafting a lot of Carson Palmer, um, you know, as my QB two. Uh, this he's all sounds questionable. What's that? <laughs> this all sounds questionable. It's, you know it's why? true. You're drafting Jake DeLome? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Paul, so the guys I'm looking to get as like my QB one are waiting quarterbacks are Andy Dalton and Tyrod Taylor. But, you know, as my QB two or when I miss out on those guys, I, I'm looking at Carson Palmer a lot. I mean, after that career year in 2015, we knew that that it was, you know, it was fool's gold. I mean, he returned to the fantasy quarterback. Uh, we knew that he was over his entire career outside of 2015. But, I mean, he still attempted a career high, 597 passes. He was third in the league in attempts per game. Um, it's just that his, you know, touchdown rate and yards per attempt were all recoiled back to his, you know, career marks. Uh, but he still had, uh, you know, he was he had five top eight weeks five top uh, eight scoring weeks. He was the QB 18 or lower uh, in another seven. So you got kind of that boom bust ratio, but then you look at Arizona though, we know they're going to throw a lot. They open with the lions, the Colts, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, the bucks, the Rams, and the 49ers as their first nine games. I mean, it's an exploitable, you know, slew of games before the pumpkin turns on, you know, Palmer and Fitz. Uh, one of their games against Seattle is a week 17 game. So that game's a complete throughout. It doesn't even matter, you know? Uh, so I like getting Palmer. I think he's going to be good, you know, at least the front half of the year, you know, before their schedule gets rougher and, you know, age sets in like it hasn't fits the past two years. Uh, and the last guy I've been drafting a lot of is Zay Jones. Um, he, he's wow. basically free right now. Um, I mean, you know, I was ready to fight Zay Jones as a prospect, you know, he very much looked objectively throughout the season, like. Justin Hardy 2.0. I mean, in that offense, like he was putting up the same kind of just banana, you know, near the line of scrimmage numbers that that Hardy was. And, you know, Hardy was a big popular scout scout guy. Um, but then Jones did something Hardy didn't do. One, he went with he got selected with high draft capital. He was yeah. the fourth, you know, rider receiver taken pick 37 this year. Uh, he also excelled uh, in, in the physical abilities. I mean, his agility and explosion scores were outstanding. Uh, I think he, he outperformed a lot of those marks that people thought he would based on what was on film. Um, and he's going to a team that's missing a hundred, a hundred, you know, and 70 targets, you know, from their wide receiving core a year ago. Uh, then their wide receiver one has been, you know, oft injured and maybe they don't have utmost confidence in, I mean, they're talking about, they're playing Andre Holmes with the wide receiver ones. That's like the new, the news. I mean, I think he's going to, he's going to slide right in, I think, and immediately command probably 90 targets, uh, you know, as a rookie. I mean, if you look at the bookmaker.eu, uh, who everyone's been using the past couple of days, they actually uh, he is the highest odds to finish the highest receiving yards of the class. So, I mean, I think that Zay Jones is – you could tack him on for free basically at the end of your roster and just see what happens But um, for a late-round bench spot. But I think he's going to walk into some production, and the type of receiver he is, he can be an efficient receiver based on what he excels at, you know, in the slot. Um, it just depends on, the, you know, the overall target volume. But I think he is a guy that based on his cost and his opportunity is worth taking a squeeze on just to see what happens. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything, and you can move on from him in, in redraft, you know, after a couple weeks if you've got nothing. Pat, do you have a major objection to any of those? Or if not, because it's Retrievar, uh, do you have <laughs> any that you also have your eye on in that area? 
I do not have any objections. And I made the the Delome crack about Carson Palmer, but I have I have caught wind of the Palmer movement this off season, and you know the observation, the correct observation that after like a basically a nightmarish start last year, he got on track the final like three fourths of the season. I just uh, his, his arm is shot, and he's so injury prone would be the only thing to say. But yeah, he's not he's not at an odious price or anything like that. So I agree with the Carson Palmer. Pat, and I, Zay I, I Jones. joked about it too because, but then I looked at my ownership, and he is tied with Philip Rivers with the highest ownership I have on my teams with thirty three percent. So I, I should be making fun of myself at this point. I was just saying, and yeah, 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 you should, Josh. But uh, Zay Jones is the first guy I was gonna say because he's basically free right now, and Rebar laid out all the good reasons, and I mean, he's basically like uh, not from like a player comparison perspective, but from like a role comparison. He's like this year's Sterling Shepard, where he's an early round rookie, basically being you know, there's basically no way he's not gonna have a big role because they don't have an alternative. He's like an early round rookie, just locked in to like a high volume role. And so there's just very little not to like there, especially at his price where he's you know going like the 13th, 14th round. So just very little not to like with Zay Jones's current price. And beyond that, I don't have any, uh, anything super great. You guys made fun of me in the last podcast when I talked about Julius Thomas, but yes. um, he's going Over under the, 10 touchdowns. He's going, I'm taking the over. He's going as the tight end 19 and uh, he's reuniting with Adam Gase. Yeah. We played, you know, he scored like 27 touchdowns his final two years, the Adam Gase in Denver. I mean, Peyton Manning may or may not have had something to do about that, but uh, he's been, he's been a talk about an off season puff piece. All stars and Julius mm-hmm. Thomas. And all the Dolphins. he's just an element that that offense was missing last year. Kind of like a sure handed go to red zone guy. So we'll tight end 19. He's basically free. Yeah. It, I think, uh, Someone, I mean, you know, not like I want to like pound the table for, but Terrence West is going and like it's the RB fifty, and he's basically got four games to run with that job while Kenneth Dixon is suspended, and there's been kind of some innuendo on the part of from the team that they might just let Terrence West stick on early downs, uh, regardless of kind of how he's performing once Kenneth Dixon comes back, and even if you know Kenneth Dixon is only kind of getting like a 15 to 20 carries for like half the season. It's, especially in a best ball league. I mean, you'll take that. So Terrence West, the guy is basically free after the 13th round who I see very little downside. I mean, zero downside in his current price. So someone I'd be looking to add. Uh, I'll share mine quickly before we log off. I think a couple it's kind of corrected themselves. Like Frank Gore had a lot early on, but it seems to be trending towards a correction. Martavis Bryant, especially when he got reinstated. But but the, the tandem I keep going with is Greg Olson and Cameron Brait. Like Greg Olson like round five and then Cameron Brait anywhere from like rounds twelve to fourteen to even sixteen at times. I, I still think Cameron Brait's gonna have a big role with Tampa Bay. And you talk about puff pieces, puff blurbs, Pat. I mean there's been a lot on Cameron <laughs> Brait uh as of late. Um and if we're gonna throw in defenses here, Rich, you might think that this is absolutely nuts, but I have a lot of the Falcons defense just as one of those really, really late ones. Sure. Um, just just because, you know, we saw them rush the password times last year, and they've just added and added to that uh, young defense that they have going and get Desmond Trufant back as well. Um, if at any point you all like this podcast, just consider for a moment, 15 seconds, to leave us a review. It really does help us out. Rate us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, whatever platform, and obviously subscribe. If you think about it for 15 seconds, it'll take you 15 seconds to write it. For Rich and Pat, I'm Josh. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.